Hi, everyone. Uh, just before the, the actual podcast starts, I'm cutting in to give you a warning about something. So first of all, the topic of this podcast is school safety, and we do talk about issues related to school violence. Nothing specific, and we don't go into scenarios or specifics, but that, of course, could be a trigger to some of the listeners, and I just wanted to give you a fair warning about that. Also, as we were doing this podcast and taping it, uh, the individual who you'll meet if you listen to the podcast that we were talking to, um, a, a warning actually came over her phone that signaled a lockdown in one of the buildings inside her district. Now, that lockdown ended up not being a crisis situation. It was only a test. Uh, but as the podcast was happening and we were having our discussion, this alert came in and she didn't know it was a test. So there, there, there was a few minutes where we had to kind of, I don't know, banter back and forth as she was talking to staff in her school district about what the alert actually was. And so that happens about uh, approximately three quarters of the way through this uh, podcast. I also wanted to give you a warning about that because it, it happens and I don't want you to worry that anything actually happened during the taping. Uh, but at the same time, it was a really fascinating example of the uh, the technology that we're discussing this podcast going off and happening in real time. So with that said, let's go ahead and get to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Teaching Matters. This program is produced by NPR affiliate WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Uh, earlier in September, uh, there was a joint report released by the U.S. Department of Education and the U.S. Department of Justice titled The Report on Indicators of School Crime and Safety 2022. Um, you can Google that and find the report easily online. I was looking through that and, you know, there's sort of some good news. Uh, some of that good news is that when you compare uh, statistics from approximately uh, 2010 to 2019 or 2021, depending upon the actual statistic, there's actually been a decrease in non-fatal victimization of students across schools. There's been a decrease in reported uh, threats to teachers uh, by students and also a decrease in physical fighting among students in schools. That's that's really good news. Um, when you look at some other statistics, there are still concerns. As you look at for example, the number of school shootings from 2012 to 2021, it still um, sadly averages about 2.6 school shootings a year. And that's even with two years in that time frame where there were zero. And so, of course, we still have a lot of work to do. So what, what causes some of those changes? As you look at some other uh, statistics from the National Center for Educational Statistics, there are some trends that I think are really interesting. For example, uh, comparing from 2009 to 2020, uh, there there has been approximately a 12 percentage point increase in the number of schools that require faculty and staff to wear picture IDs uh, throughout the day. Um, also, building access has increased from about 91% of the schools in 2009 to 97% of the schools having stricter building access rules in 2020. And, and technology solutions are also on the increase. So in 2009, only 61% of schools used technology like cameras to monitor the school, whereas in 2020, that number jumped to about 91%. So 
over the course of the span of these uh, years, uh, we've seen changes in the number of uh, acts that takes place in school that could be threats to safety. We've also seen school districts reacting to those threats by increasing their efforts, and that's what we're going to be talking about in today's program. My guest today is Stacy Locke, who is the deputy superintendent at the Yakima School District Number no. Seven in Yakima, Washington. She was named the Washington State Principal of the Year in 2008, and in 2022, she was named the Non-Nurse Administrator of the Year in her school district. Stacy, thank you for being here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. So the stats that I went through, you know, sort of gives a uh, very non-complete uh, uh, snapshot of, of where school safety is at right now. I noticed in your background that previous to being in your current role, you actually had the title of Executive Director of Safety and Security for your school district. So you have a history with this topic. I wonder, you know, based upon your expertise, if you could talk broadly about, you know, the different dimensions of safety in a school building, because I think people, when they hear that word, they often think about, of course, the most horrendous example of, of an active shooter. But I think that you probably have to think about a lot of other things related to safety than just that, although, of course, that's that's very significant. Yeah, I would agree. Over the the last 20 years, obviously, the, the idea around how do you keep uh, students and staff safe without creating a, a prison type, you know, atmosphere within a school facility. And the simplest thing in the world, Scott, doesn't cost any money at all, is to have your doors locked, to mm-hmm. have your classroom doors locked. And I know that that isn't popular with teachers uh, because, you know, there's some, some, different ways they have to set up their classrooms, have to teach students when the classroom door is locked all day long. But once a door is locked, nobody's ever entered a, a locked classroom door. They, mm-hmm. Those shooters coming in, they what they are looking for is what's quick and easy. Mm-hmm. And so even if you look at Stoneman Douglas, it's look quick, nothing there, onto something else. Grab a door, it's locked, onto something else. And so... I would tell you that paramount is locking your classroom doors every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can also share with you that, that, again, we had a huge pushback from that approach in that the uh, school teachers union said, you can't require us to do that. And we said, you're right, we can't. It's not part of the union agreement. But what I can share with you is that will guarantee your safety uh, and the student's safety. Mm-hmm. So that said, uh, a lot of our teachers still do that. We're unfortunate enough to have uh, two school shootings uh, here in our district, which again um, brings that right to the forefront. But the other things that we have done throughout the years to improve that, other than locking classroom doors, uh, which has helped all parents, is that, you know, as many school districts do, we have an anonymous tip line. Uh, we also have armed school safety officers. Uh, mm-hmm. We had uh, school resource officers, which are school or um, state commission officers. Uh, they have the power to arrest. But in Washington state, what happened is the state legislature passed laws that would prohibit a commissioned police officer 
from investigating a criminal issue in the school and or talking and interviewing students without an attorney present. And so when you think about that, it's like, well, well, wait a minute, then how does that help us preserve safety within the school system? And it actually doesn't. And so what we ended up doing in lieu of that is creating our own armed school safety officer program. And the people we hired had at least at least 10 years of commissioned officer experience. And by doing that, we were guaranteed that they had all the police training they needed. And then we would continue that, uh, those certifications moving forward. But it also allowed us to get out of a state law that said our, our armed personnel cannot interview. They can interview, they can investigate because they are non-commissioned at this mm -hmm. point. So looking at that through the lens of security and the legislature, we had to pivot to ensure that we could keep our students and, and staff safe. And we do that in cooperation with uh, the Yakima Police Department. We work mm -hmm. hand in hand through uh, all, all the safety issues that, that come to be. The other thing we did is we do have updated cameras throughout our campus. Uh, we ensure that they're updated we went from analog to digital. Mm -hmm. We have interior and exterior door locks uh, for access control. And every one of our school buildings has a vestibule for school entrances in, where you have to be uh, buzzed in. You can't automatically uh, walk into the main office without being um, accessed in. And if somebody would have told me 20 years ago that we were going to be in this kind of world, I just would have never believed it. Mm -hmm. uh, including that, we have safety lighting, we have strategic fencing, uh, we have panic buttons uh, on teachers' desks. Uh, we have a parent app with real-time updates for our parents so they know in the event that something is transpiring, exactly what's going on. And we also have immediate... Um, media releases. One of the things that was missing in that layered approach that I just talked about was a badge. Well, we also have ID badges. Every staff wears an ID badge uh, throughout the district. But what was missing was the ability to locate the incident uh, at a moment's mm -hmm. notice. And that could have been a medical emergency, a fight, kids getting ready to, you know, have a fisticuffs in the hallway where you have a lot of watchers that are um, taping all that. And we had looked at a lot, you know, like app-based app -based, uh, alerts. problem with app-based alerts is that that app, that phone may not necessarily be with you when you need it. Right. And so we were looking for something that that uh, you could wear around your neck that was Bluetooth based uh, so we weren't having to work with an app and we found a product finally after years of looking where in which all staff and and we had ended up we have 11 unions in this district and there was pushback uh, from having them wear a badge an alert badge around their neck because of course the first thing that comes to mind is tracking. 
And right. we had to share with, with our employees that we had no desire to track them, um, that we, we had better things to do. But what we wanted, it was really about them and their students. We wanted them to be able on a 24-7 basis to get emergency help if they needed it. And so we adopted that product and through uh, volunteer, we have 97% of our staff uh, agreeing to wear that badge when they found out what the product could do and how it could assist them on a school campus. And it actually, so, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to back up and, and ask a few follow-up questions on um, the badge. So sure. If I'm a if I'm a teacher in in your building or your your district, um, what does the badge look like? And, and is does it take the place of my uh, ID badge, or is it a separate piece of technology that I'm wearing? Just kind of curious about the the logistics of what it, you know, how people use it. You bet. So it's a separate piece, and what we do is we wear we wear it behind our ID badges. It's the same size as your ID badge, the standard ID badge, and. We wear it uh, behind our badge. Most people wear it around their neck. Some people hook it to their their pants. Mm-hmm. And with three clicks, three clicks in a building, you the, the it will notify the main office and all administrators, security, anybody that you put in the notification bucket, uh, exactly where you're at and that you need help immediately. Mm-hmm. And to be able to know exactly where the incident is occurring with such urgency is the way that we we get in front of stuff. Uh, It also helps. We have some kids that that like to run, run out of the building, uh, get to the roadway. And so if you push it three times, you take off after that kid, it will notify you where you were. But if you keep pressing it every couple seconds three times, it will follow you as you chase that kid. So again, then you have people that are arriving where the incident is occurring right. so that we can provide uh, better support. Uh, the other thing the badge does, if you uh, click it uh, eight to 10 times, it will actually put the facility or the school building in lockdown. And by that, I mean that the strobes are going to go off, there's computer TV takeover, and uh, there is verbal directions as to what you need to do. And we trust our employees, and we've let them know that, that they all have the ability, if they see something that they consider an emergency where staff and students will not be safe, to go ahead and put that building in a lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately, our police department is notified, so we can begin to bring them up to speed as they arrive at the incident as to what is going on specifically, because we know where that person is. And just to give you an example of the value in that, when we had a school shooting in which a student was killed, uh, we did not have this technology. And what ended up happening was our security individual, he directed everybody to the south end of the campus, and the incident actually occurred in the east end of the campus. And it's about a half a mile between the two. So if you have a school shooting and you're sending everybody the wrong direction and time matters, time support is going to be delayed. Right. And, and so that was, a, that was a big one for us. And we had just been talking 
to the company during that time and that just sealed the deal for us the importance of being able to know exactly where something was occurring so that we could provide that immediate help and that immediate support then when you look at from the medical side it uh, we actually saved a, a person's life uh, there had been an incident, in fact, it had been two days after the actual training of the product, and we ended up uh, having, having a counselor start having chest pains, and it was her door was locked. She was trying to dial 911 on the phone, but she couldn't see. Her emergency was such that she couldn't even see the numbers on the phone to be able to dial 911. She happened to have the badge around her neck. She punched it three times. Hmm. And the assistant principal came up to where it said she was and couldn't see her. She she went down behind her desk. She was having a heart attack. He ran back, got his keys, got in there, and they called 911. They managed to um, save her. But had she not had that badge, she would have passed out behind her desk, and Lord knows how long she would have been there mm-hmm. uh, without medical help because she couldn't dial the 911 on the phone. But because the badge was on her person and she remembered to click it three times, she got that emergency help and we were able to save her life. And so when we look at emergencies, both medical and from a violent standpoint, this one product is has definitely helped fill a lot of the gaps uh, that we were feeling in our security support. So, uh, First of all, uh, that's a, a great story about your counselor and, and how, uh, and, my, and I, I think maybe you said this or I read it, but it happened like 24 hours after you implemented the technology. It's amazing that you get um, yeah. what is inarguably an immediate um, high impact return on, on the investment by the district. Um, so just trying to uh, learn about this technology a little bit more. Um, the the technology itself from Syntagix, I think I'm saying that right, um, involves the the uh, wearable um, button, if you will. Is, is Are the panic buttons that are in the classroom also hooked into the same system, or is that a separate system? The It's, uh, it's Syntagix. Syntagix, okay. Syntagix is the, the, the product, and the, the panic buttons in the, on the phones in the classroom are, are tied into, it begins to get technology heavy. They're tied into Informacast, and Syntagix is tied into Informacast. Okay. So when the badge is used uh, to go into a lockdown, and that's the only time that there's a takeover is if there's a lockdown. And, of course, by lockdown, we mean all doors are locked. Uh, uh, students and staff are either in closed office spaces or in classrooms, uh, certain positioning in the classrooms. And all doors are locked, windows are shut, and shades are closed um, as a few of the criteria for lockdown. So... We, um, again, it's, it begins to get a little tech heavy as to what's tied to what, but um, there's also, uh, Syntagix has uh, flash devices that they, that they put up so that, uh, and they're in every room, so if you're not hearing something, you're seeing something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as to what to do, and the, 
and the strobes flash different colors depending on what's going on. So now if we go into a secure and teach, there's a certain audio that goes uh, on, which it's done before, and, and then there is the strobe now that is connected because Syntegix is connected to Informacast. So again, there's a, a few different types of technology that connect everything together. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, is there also an app that your district uses that somehow, you know, is used as a communication tool or something along those lines? Yes. Yeah, Syntegix, uh, anybody that is a responder within the school district uh, has the app on their phone. Mm -hmm. And it's set for certain levels. For example, in a, in a school building, the uh, district office would not want to be notified every time there's three clicks mm -hmm. because typically that's something going on in a classroom that an administrator would support and deal with. Like perhaps an altercation between students or something like that, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. There, may, there may be a fight. Uh, there may be a medical emergency, something going on. And so we would not get that alert at the district office. However, if anybody puts any place in a lockdown, then we do get that alert. So mm -hmm. we'll get every one of the lockdown alerts. So we immediately know, I immediately know in my office um, where that issue is occurring. And then our safety and security team immediately puts out what's happening on a chat, which goes out to a, a bigger group of people in the district office and to area, if there are area schools involved, that information also goes out to them. Mm -hmm. so, so through Google Chat and then through the uh, app that we have on our phones, it gives us immediate precise information as to what we're working on. Our Yakima Police Department also has the app on all their phones. So like I said, instead of, they can respond to that much quicker than the uh, prior notification system. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so in your various roles with, with the school district, um, my assumption is that you've been deeply involved in sort of the safety and crisis planning for the district. And, and I also would assume that when you start implementing technologies like this, you have to constantly reevaluate that. Based upon your experiences, what, what advice would you give other school districts in terms of crisis and safety planning? Um, you know, I, I think many districts have crisis and safety plans, but my, mm -hmm. my, my assumption is you've learned a lot, uh, you know, during your experiences that might be useful. Yeah, Scott, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to be in this district for, for 24 years. And, and in doing so, uh, I've held seven different positions. One might think I can't hold a job, but uh, <laughs> I just I kind of uh, have had the opportunity to be an assistant principal at the high school and then the principal at Eisenhower High School for 11 years, in which case we uh, tore down a 1958 building after we passed a bond and had the opportunity in 2014 to open a brand new school mm -hmm. with state-of-the-art technology. And to be a part of that whole development and and upgrading in the old school, we had uh, 40 entrances and exits. As hmm. you can imagine, it's yeah. pretty tough to police that. And, of course, having the opportunity to build a new school building 
we eliminated a, a, a lot uh, and provided safety and security was number one. And in the Yakima School District, safety and security is a number one priority. Mm -hmm. uh, if our kids don't feel safe, uh, they won't come to school. And we want them to feel safe. We want their families to feel that they're safe in our school system. And uh, we're the next best thing to be in home. And so supporting that is just really, you know, important. When we talk about safety planning, it has definitely evolved. And what we like to do, we have an awesome technology department and uh, awesome security, safety security department. And uh we take a look at all those statistics. We take a look at what's working for other people as well as what's working for us. We take uh, surveys in our community to ask them what we could do differently or better. And so I guess my advice to uh, other school districts would be that, that safety truly needs to be your number one priority. It is, if you look at survey data, it's what brings keep kids into school and it's what keeps kids in school. Mm -hmm. And I know teaching and learning, some, some believe that teaching and learning is the, you know, the utmost, but if kids aren't there, they can't learn. And so right. I think through the lens, knowing that, uh, that would be the advice I have. And some of the things are relatively inexpensive. Uh, some of them aren't. But if you don't have a layered approach, uh, I would suggest that, that you start planning a layered approach to mm -hmm. safety and security, knowing that that money matters and uh, we're a district that's going into a huge deficit this coming year or, or planning on a $20 million deficit. But one of the things that is crystal clear to us in that planning is that safety and security uh, is priority one and it will not be cut. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I can't, I can't say enough about that in our community. You mentioned um, when you were talking about the, the button badge uh, combination uh, that you have a, a very high adoption rate among uh, your teachers and staff. What kind of, I, I would assume that you have to go, th that, that all faculty and staff will, will go through some level of training um, related to not only the technology itself, but also the crisis planning of the school. Do you, do you have any uh, uh, ability to comment on, you know, sort of what philosophy you all take with training of your faculty and staff? Absolutely. What, what we did was we required every employee to be trained on crisis alert. And that way they could choose uh, whether they wanted the badge or they didn't want the badge. But everybody had to go through the training so they had a deeper understanding of what the product looked like, what was mm -hmm. intended to do. And we gave examples that let them know that if, if you're working uh, late and your school happens to be in maybe not the best part of town. Oh, and there we have it. And that is what it sounds like, Scott. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have a we have a lockdown at one of our elementary schools. Obviously, Stacy, just let us know if you need to uh, get off the podcast. I didn't really want this to be breaking news. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, it, you know, what's what's nice about this this point, I I can find out quickly and we can go from there. But you you yeah. hear what it sounds like. There's no way you're going to yeah. <laughs> ignore that. 
and uh, find help. So I, I want to report in that that was a drill, Scott. So okay, <laughs> you don't need to <laughs> in, in the podcast. Uh, are, are there any requirements at the state level in Washington about what districts must do to promote safety? There are. We we have to do a um, safety plan. Every, every building has to do a safety plan every mm-hmm. year, and that would include, and we have to do drills, just like that lockdown drill. We have to mm-hmm. do a variety of different drills uh, throughout the year in practice. Um, and so that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. And it talks about in our safety plan, it goes through what we're going to do in each one of those situations. Uh, and if we evacuate where we're going to go, um, where we're going to station everybody, if we have to um, move them off the campus, uh, mm-hmm. we're setting up with the city, like there's a mass evacuation where the buses will pick up, where parents can pick their kids up. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that is included in the safety plan. And of course, it's different for for the different buildings throughout the right, school right. district. And the unification sites uh, typically are further away from the incident. Uh, we're also working right now with ter- local transit uh, in conjunction with our transportation department about who would pick up who, when, where, how, and why mm-hmm. based on the situation. I think the biggest thing to note is you have a plan, but the fluidity behind it based right. on the situation is is extremely important. And so when we train our officers, when we train our security, when we train our administrators, when we train our uh, the rest of our staff, it's it's understanding uh, how to respond in those different situations and what the expectation is for support. Additionally, we have training like they do throughout the country with uh, who, what what the command center is going to look like, who's going to be in charge, uh, how the communication goes out. I mean, you see all that in the safety mm-hmm. plan. That's a very robust plan. I, I mean, I would say that, you know, at Ohio University, um, I've had the, um, the luxury of being able to sit in on some of our crisis response team planning sessions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're right that you, you plan for the worst, which means you plan for every conceivable detail that you can. Yeah. And, and you can't predict everything, but you at least have an idea of how to react. I guess um, to kind of finish things out, now that my heart has calmed down a little bit from your, <laughs> from your situation, like when you received that alert, um, we heard you get on the phone with someone to you know, start to interrogate what the issue is. Who was that person monitoring the software suite, or you know, kind of talk through what just happened? Because I think everyone that heard that is going to be interested in, in hearing the story a little bit. Yeah. So, so essentially, I called our um, safety and security assistant who mans all the phones uh-huh. and all the communications channels, and so. She immediately, if I couldn't get, I, I called the executive director of safety and security first. She didn't answer and chatted her. So that was my next step and find out. And she has all that. Uh, she is an amazing employee and she has all that information. And as you saw, I got it pretty quickly to mm-hmm. know exactly what's going on. So like you said, your heart can can stop uh, beating because that, 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 that sound is not exactly we're in meetings, we can be up to our eyeballs and stuff. That sound goes off, I go, 
you know, I go take yeah. care of it, depending on what it is. And it tells me when it comes up, it tells me the school it's at, and it tells me what it's the, whether it's a lockdown, a secure and teach. It, what it doesn't tell me is whether it's a drill or not. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know how you could, even in talking with strategics, how you would be able to um, distinguish between a, a drill and I don't know how you could create a yeah. product that could do that. But but it's all good because that's practice for us too. Yeah. Even though it's a drill, it's practice to see uh, are we communicating, can we get in touch with people, and, and can we find out quickly what's happening. And so, well, I, again, for all of us. I mean, having just you know heard that experience, you could see how – um, just, you know, minutes, 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 you know, could be shaved off of a response to a crisis situation because you knew immediately what was happening. You knew that something was going on and then you were able to get answers to what exactly was. I, that's, that was an impressive um, example in our podcast, I have to say. Sydney will like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Stacy, it's been uh, great getting a chance to know you, and um, thank you for all the work that you are personally doing and that your district is doing to keep students safe. Well, thank you very much. Anything we can do to share, if anybody wants to steal what we're up to, we'd be happy to, to do that. And uh, like I said, the, the the layers were in place. We just knew there was a gap and and what the strategic uh, crisis alert product does for us is mm-hmm. it eliminates a lot of those holes that we had for response time, which is critical to us. And uh, the, the case study of the Yakima School District, uh, we will have a link to a PDF uh, that, that sort of narrates in some ways uh, the stuff that Stacy has been talking about. But if listeners would like to learn more about about that, we will uh, put that information in the text accompanying the podcast. My guest today has been Stacy Locke. She is the Deputy Superintendent of the Yakima School District Number 7 in the state of Washington. Uh, our associate producer who's on the line with us is Adam Rich, and our assistant producers are April Koska and Trinity Sweet. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth. We appreciate you listening, and of course, if you want to reach out to the podcast, all you need to do is to contact us on social media, or you can also email Teaching Matters Podcast, all one word, Teaching Matters Podcast at ohio.edu, and we would love to hear from you. Have a great day, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.